Hey, I'd like to welcome everyone to Antioch Bible Study for today, Monday, the 23rd of May, 2022. We are grateful to God Almighty for life, for preservation, for health, for strength, for every single blessing that we receive from his hand. And today we continue our meditation. Gospel of John. Shall we bow our heads to pray? King immortal, invisible, the only true God, the ruler and the possessor of all heaven and earth. We thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity to gather at your feet. Lord, we wash ourselves in the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, and we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. And we join the angels and archangels to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with your blood. Oh, may it please you, oh God, to come and fellowship with us. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. We take captive every soul. And we command them to be subject to Christ. That your kingdom, oh God, may prosper in every heart under the sound of my voice. For it is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, we read from John chapter 1 and verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Verse 12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Amen. 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 Okay, let us look at this uh, part of John's introduction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, who came as a witness to testify that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is the light. His testimony or preaching is to assist those who respond to the call of God that our Lord Jesus is the light of the world. Now, we spent some time last week reviewing what we are told about that light. And the first is that the light is the very life of God Almighty, what we call the Zoe. It was innate in Christ. He did not acquire it when he came into the world. 
it was in him already when he incarnated. Although John the Baptist preached the gospel of repentance and the pursuit of righteousness, John, the gospeler, felt it necessary to emphasize that John the Baptist was not the light, but that he came to testify and bear witness to the truth that our Lord Jesus Christ was the light. Now, in verse 9, we are told a very significant truth. Our Lord Jesus, who is the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. But what exactly does the Bible mean as the true light? Here are some thoughts from Barclay's study Bible. Three things are implied. The first is that our Lord Jesus is the true light when compared to false lights in the world. And that is the Greek word alethes. Alethes is a word that distinguishes the true from the false. Now, the second is true light in the sense of the genuine light, as opposed to fake lights that are bound in the world. The Greek word for that is alethinos. Before our Lord Jesus Christ came, there were many claiming to be light. But the light they claimed to bring led men into greater darkness. The third truth is that our Lord Jesus was the full light as opposed to partial lights in the world that reveals something about the life of God, but not in its fullness. These three thoughts can be seen in John 1.18, where the Bible says, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son, who is close to the father's heart, who has made him known. Who has made him known. This is also echoed in what our Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven. Jesus said, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now we come to the statement that our Lord Jesus is the true light that enlightens everyone coming into the world. What exactly should we understand from this? Now, since this is universal, in application, it must relate to a type of illumination in the soul of man because it, it is the light that enlightens everyone coming into the world. Many would um, regard this as the light in the conscience, in the soul of every man, which 
habitual sinning can extinguish because uh, it is habitual sinning that deadens the light of the true knowledge of God. Every man is born with a conscience, which the Bible calls the arbiter of right from wrong. In Romans chapter 2, verse 12, we read, all who have sinned apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Verse 13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous in God's sight, but the doers of the law who will be justified. When Gentiles who do not possess the law do instinctively what the law requires, these, though not having the law, are a law to themselves. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts to which their own conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts will accuse or perhaps excuse them. On the day when according to my gospel, God through our Lord Jesus Christ will judge the secret thoughts of every man. Now there is a, a maxim in law that says, where there is no law, there is no sin. The law was the light that removed subjectivity from right and wrong. As we are told in Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. You know, that's why in, in, in the Proverbs, the Bible says, and, and, and every man's uh, way is right in their own eyes. That is subjective. Every man's way is right in their own eyes. But the law removes that subjectivity. Here's the Passion Translation on Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. So, what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. For example, when the law said, do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire. For in the absence of the law, sin will remain dormant and there will be no pressure on my conscience because right and wrong is determined and defined by me. But the moment the law came into being, then I, there are no more excuses for those who are under the law. So this is the sense in which a man can be said to be alive without guilt feelings where there is no law, even though he's living in violation of the spirit and letter of the law, but he's not aware of it. In other words, after the law came, sin ceased to be a matter of opinion. The law gave us a clear understanding of right from wrong. And so where hitherto we had no... We had not felt guilt when sinning. Such, an, such a situation is no longer possible. That is why we hear that ignorance of the law is no excuse. It is for the same reason 
that retroactive laws are unjust. But when our Lord Jesus Christ came, he brought the full light as revealed in his teachings. Now, here's one of them. In Matthew chapter 5, 27 and 28. And again, I read from the Passion Translation. The scripture says, your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. However, I say to you, if you look with lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. This is the sense in which our Lord Jesus brought not just the true light or the genuine light, but light in all its fullness into the world. That's why the Bible says, this is the light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. This is the light that awakens the dead conscience of men and women whose consciences have been deadened by habitual sinning. A man comes from eternity into time with a measure of this light in his conscience. That light is a measure of Zoe, the very life of God, which helps him to instinctively determine right from wrong. Though habitual sinning, through habitual sinning rather, this light in the conscience is extinguished either totally or partially. However, when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we receive a fuller light, the fullest ever possible, with power. In a lesser comparison, we can say that the sun emits both light and heat energy. The energy emitted by the sun is captured by plants through their chlorophyll from where animals gain their energy. So the sun produces light and energy. In the same manner, when the full light of Zoe, the very life of God enters into a man, it gives him the power, the dynamis, the energy to become the child of God, with the capacity to live the Zoe life, which is the life of God on this earth. So let us um, uh, take a moment then to, to look at this power, because, because this every man comes in with some light in their conscience, but it is when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord that light floods our soul and using his word, the spirit that is in us begins to rebuild the conscience. And that's why the apostle Paul said to Timothy, his protege, he said, if you forsake conscience, you will make a shipwreck of your faith. You know, because that conscience has been quickened to become the guardian of the soul, sensitizing us to right and wrong. And so when someone loses that sensitization to right and wrong, then you know that they're dead, they're dead, spiritually. So now let us um, 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 go beyond that to look at the power now to live 
the very life of God. Because that's what the Bible says. As many to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Now, anyone who has tried to live this Christian life, the way that our Lord Jesus Christ lived it, would realize immediately the necessity for this inner power, inner strength that the light gives. The Apostle Paul, he decided to make it a subject of intercession. And that's why he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3 from verse 14. I love the way it is rendered again in the Passion Translation. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you, okay, the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength, that's what it is, floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Verse 17, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. You know, it is very interesting that, uh, that uh, he talks about the capacity to live the life of love that Christ lived here. That everybody who wants to live in vertical love for God and horizontal love to our fellow men and women, oh, that we will need inner, inner strength energy in the soul, you know, empowered there so that when the consequences of walking in love, when the rejections and when the frustrations of walking in love arise, we will not waver, but we will persist and persevere until love conquers in our world. So this, this is why it's important to, to, to grasp this, okay? the supernatural strength to live the Christ kind of life on this earth. Some have called this the infusion. You, you sense the infusion of energy that sustains you under pressure to continue to live the Christ life, no matter the consequences. Now, Look, the gospel writer ensured that you and I know that we need to be empowered to live as Christians on this earth. Nobody should dare to live the Christian life in their own strength. It's impossible. It's impossible. In his gospel, he detailed this in our Lord Jesus' closing remarks, so to say, to his disciples. In Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, 
the new uh, revised standard version. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins are to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. The witnesses of these things. And then verse 49, and see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed or endued with power from on high. Now, it is important for every Christian to, to realize this, to recognize this, so that you and I will be constantly seeking the power of God in our lives to sustain us in this Christian work. The power of God Almighty must come down on the disciples. If they are ever to live lives that testify about the will of God in the salvation of all mankind in Christ and through Christ. To be able to say that in the face of a hostile audience that believe in the law, they could not receive the truth that in Christ Jesus, God was setting aside the law so that grace can come in to liberate people from guilt of all their failures and empower them to live right. Grace didn't come just to, just to uh, forgive the sins of the past. No, it also came with power to quicken the people, to give them the inner strength to live the life of Christ in their world. Our Lord Jesus reiterated this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Our Lord Jesus stated here that the power will come with the descent of the Holy Spirit to give birth to the church, which event took place on the day of Pentecost. In writing his own gospel, John the Beloved stated that this power is for anyone and everyone who receives our Lord Jesus Christ as his or her personal Lord and Savior. And that's why it is open to all. And nobody, nobody should seek to live the Christian life without the power of Almighty God. And now let us talk about the power of the Holy Spirit then. Because Jesus said, this power is going to come when the Holy Spirit comes down. It is vital that every believer in Christ understand the way and means of spiritual power through the residency of the Holy Spirit. For without him, Christian life and witness 
are practically impossible. Our Lord Jesus spoke about this extensively while he was here. First, we learned that the Holy Spirit will move from an abiding companion to an indwelling companion. In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So this is the residency. We call it the residence of the Holy Spirit, which has so many implications. And as we will see, that's why the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, don't grieve him. Because if you grieve him and he leaves you, that's it. Writing to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul also revealed that the Holy Spirit is the source of the power of God within the believer. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him the glory in the church. You see, the church, when the power of God begins to manifest, then the glory of God is revealed through the church. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, when John stated in John 1.12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. He was speaking of this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to take charge of our lives in the same way that he took charge of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ during his mission here to earth. As revealed in these two important scriptures. The first one is Matthew chapter 3 verse 16. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Okay, this was at the beginning of his ministry. He could not do one thing until the Holy Spirit came down. After this encounter then, the Holy Spirit took charge of his program. As we learn from the next chapter, Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. In other words, as soon as the Holy Spirit came upon him, the Holy Spirit took charge of his entire mission. And so the first thing he did was to take him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and to be tempted by the devil as to the strategy that he would adopt for the ministry and for the mission. Now, Luke in his own gospel told us 
that our Lord Jesus returned from his temptation in the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. In other words, this, he, during all that period, the Spirit did not leave him because he was consistent with the plans and purposes of God in his life and resisted every attempt to make it a, a personal thing instead of the will of God on earth. And that's why Luke wrote in John 4.14, he said, then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus returned from the temptation in the power of the Spirit. And then the ministry was born. He acknowledged the work of the Holy Spirit in his life and ministry in his hometown of Nazareth. As we read in Luke 4.16, when he came to Nazareth where he had been born, brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Shabbat day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them in verse 21, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay? Our Lord Jesus made it clear that in his life and teachings, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived the example. We needed to live the life of God on the earth. That was why he said to his disciples, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He also said in his, in his valedictory remarks, he dwelt extensively on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the disciples. John 14, 26, he said, for the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything. And he will remind you of all that I have said to you. Again, in John 15, 26, when the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the one to empower your testimony of me after I'm gone. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the one to empower your testimony. You can do it yourself with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is, this is really uh, what tells you and I that um, the, the, the matter of the Holy Spirit in the life of the, of the believer is not, it's not passive. There must be an active seeking of the Holy Spirit so that you and I can be empowered to testify about Jesus 
and to live his life on this earth. Again, in John 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove, prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me, but righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you'll see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Again, he said in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And this is, this is how you can judge what a man is doing. If his life and ministry is not bringing glory to the Father, then you know that something is fundamentally wrong. The Apostle Paul also writing to the Romans about our life and calling in Christ stated in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's how fundamental it is. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Only the spirit can do all this. You know, give life to a man's body, kill, mortify the flesh, kill the foundation of lusts to free us from pressure. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 12 says, for if you, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Then verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. In other words, if you are led by yourself, if you do your own thing your own way, then you are already judging yourself that you're not a child of God. But if the Spirit of God controls you, whether there are big things or small things, you and I are determined to do it God's way, to do it to do what God says, to obey the word of God. That is how you know that a man is spiritual. That's how you know a man is spiritual. Or a woman is spiritual. They are determined to do things God's way. Because the spirit of God is in control of their lives. Then verse 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father. And finally, in verse 16, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So it, it, is, it is important to, to, to really get this because nobody, nobody can survive the pressures of the world, the flesh, and the devil by human effort. 
The only way is to talk about, to release ourselves, to be completely taken over by the Spirit of God, to guide us in every detail. This is what the uh, Apostle John had in mind when he spoke about the power to become children of God. Without that power, it's not possible. As many as received him, to them, he released the power of the Holy Spirit so they can live the Christ life on the earth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, we are told categorically that anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ cannot be a Christian. Okay? That's why I said it's fundamental. The spirit of Christ is not in you. You cannot be a Christian. We are told in verse 10 that the spirit of Christ is the power behind the transformational changes in the life of the Christian. Yes, we may start off with our body or flesh dead in sin, but the spirit begins to quicken our bodies so that from being dead in sin, we rise to become dead to sin. This is only possible because we desire to live godly and have a sense of obligation to live godly lives out of loyalty to Christ who died for our sin. That's why the Apostle Paul speaks about the obligation. You know, he said we are obligated to live the Christ life. Those who receive this quickening power of the Holy Spirit must nurse daily, nurse the desire to live godly lives. Once he senses this desire in us to lead godly lives, the Holy Spirit uses his awesome power to destroy the appetite for sin in our flesh. That in turn, it releases us from the pressure of lusts. And that's why I often say to believers that uh, Christians don't suppress lusts. No, because if you suppress them, one day they will explode. But if the Spirit puts them to death, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. So, finally for today, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Okay, as the Apostle Paul said also in the same Romans chapter 8, verse 27, likewise the Spirit, he helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So it is impossible, my brother, my sister, it is impossible to live the Christian life unless we are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit because he will strengthen the will. He will transform the thoughts and emotions that's why in Romans 12, to the, Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He uses the word of God that you and I read to, to replace the thoughts of the world that you had acquired. So let us um, 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 bring this together as we, as we close today. John 1.12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, 
He gave power. Dunamis. You know, you know I, I, I spoke some time ago about dunamis and exousia. Exousia is authority. But this one is dunamis, inner strength, might, so that you don't shake. You don't shake under pressure. You stay still because of that inner strength. And that strength is imputed, is conveyed rather into us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. He gives us the inner strength to walk daily in love and so reveal the life and light of Christ in the world. No, very, very difficult walking in love because a lot of times people do things that hurt. They do things that oppress. They do wicked things sometimes. And yet the spirit helps us to continue to love. Particularly if we have opportunity to retaliate, to refuse to do so. Again, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, is our comforter, is our companion through life. And we are warned never to grieve him because he is the seal of our salvation. Ephesians 4.30 and, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were marked with his seal for the day of redemption. And so, let everybody that names the name of Christ, even if you're, you're giving your life to Christ today, it is important to yearn, to ask, to seek the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. It is important to yield to him, to say, Holy Spirit, please guide me. I want to do the will of God in every area of my life. Give me insight. Give me understanding. Open up the intricacies of life that confront me. Give me clear mind on the direction I should follow. And by your grace and by your power, I will. Amen. It is amazing. I close with uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But the, 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 the rider is that they must walk not after the flesh, but according to the spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, doctor. You know, the first question is that if we all receive this enabling power from the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion, then why is it that so many of us Christians fail to live this victorious life that you've so eloquently talked about? It's not so much about receiving. It's about knowing that is there and knowing what is, is there for. You see, you may receive something. I, I mean, you've given people an expensive present. You go to the house, you see it in the corner. You know, because they don't know the value. They, 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 haven't, they haven't really uh, understood what the whole thing is all about. Oh, it's like, um, it's like um, 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 you, you put on a remote control um, a, a fan or TV, and the guy is always going to the wall to switch it on. He said, what about the remote control? He said, oh, which one? Oh, that thing? Oh, yeah, it's there. So, but why are you still going to this? Oh, I didn't know what it is for. They just brought it. <laughs> That's it. You receive it, but you don't realize that without, he, without him, you can't live the life. That's why I, I speak about active, active, not passive, active. That is, if I'm active, actively seeking the power, I will be saying to the Holy Spirit, like I walk in a place where there's a lot of temptation. 
I'll be saying to the Holy Spirit, you know, you know how, how, how that place I walk is riddled with temptation. I need your strength now to be able to say no to all these pressures. That's it. You know, it's not to leave the Holy Spirit uh, uh, behind in church somewhere and then go and be living your life the way you like. That's not what, what it is supposed to be. You can see our Lord Jesus Christ, the, before he started his work, the Spirit came down. And after the Spirit came down, the Spirit took over. He led him into the wilderness. He led him to, to Nazareth. And he declared, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's exactly what he wants us to do. To acknowledge that we are, we are under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we cannot do as we like. That's the whole idea. But if you don't do that, of course, you know what the preachers have told us all along, that the Holy Spirit will not force himself upon you. Another question that's come up is, so how does one face temptation? How does one deal with temptation? Oh, that is it now. You see, uh, temptation is going to be aimed at a lust. You know, because there, there can be no temptation without lust. That's what James told us. He said, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. Okay? So now, when a person is being drawn away, that's when to pray, you know, or even before, Spirit of the living God, deaden this appetite in the name of Jesus Christ. Let this appetite die. That's what um, um, righteousness by the power of the Spirit is all about. You make such a simple prayer, you know, and you discover that somehow you found the strength to say no. That's why people testify. Say, but how, what, how were you able to say no? I, said, I don't know. I just kept praying, Lord, you need to help me. You need to help me. I must not disappoint you. Because of um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no, there's no temptation that you're going through. It's how everything is common to man. God, but God is able. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to resist. But with every temptation, you will make a way of escape so that you will be able to bear it. So, so all of that is there. That the spirit, the heaven will not allow the temptation that will overwhelm you to come to you. But he knows that if you and I rely on the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to keep saying no to what is wrong. It's only the spirit that can do it in us. But what about it's it is with active cooperation. And, and doctor, does this also apply to natural bends when a person is has a natural disposition to certain things? Like we're told of uh, people who are born with certain, um, like babies whose mothers were drug addicts have a more uh, tendency towards addiction and things like that. Does that also apply, sir? Well, um, I really don't know uh, uh, the, mechan the dynamics of that. How um, uh, uh, somebody that um, has a, a mother that is an addict becomes an addict, you know, you know it's, it's as if it is natural, but I'm sure it's more environmental than natural. And that's why when you give your life to Christ, choices, you know, you don't make choices anymore. You seek to be led. I read it today, John. Um, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led. And if we are led, we'll soon find that, you know, we have strength to say no, because we are led. And anytime there's a situation that we cannot handle, you, he will lead us away from that temptation. That's what the scriptures say. 
you know, it will lead us away from that temptation. It doesn't so expose you to something you don't have grace for. So, so basically, so what you're saying is that it's for us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy not, Spirit. Not just sensitive. Actively desire to be led. Well, yes, actively, actively desire. And then after you have desired, being sensitive to the answered prayer. Okay, yes, being sensitive. So whatever the Spirit, and the Spirit can speak to us variously. Because some of these things are already in the Bible. And when you read it and you encounter it, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance. That, oh, you can't do that because the Word of God says this or that. So another, another person asks, what is one practical way to draw strength from the Holy Spirit in oh, order to prayer. overcome discouragement in the process of growth? It's, 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 a, it's a moment. You see, that's why I talk about, you know, you read my book on power, um, uh, the pathway to conversational prayer. Conversational prayer, you see, a lot of people are talking about... Um, Formal prayers that you say in the morning. No, formal prayers you say in the morning is your quiet time. But conversational prayer is the working relationship. You know, you're in touch with God anywhere you are and everywhere you are, so that um, so that you will have excuse me, so that you will have um, um, the communication that you need. You know, the communication that you need to to face the challenges of life. You know, you don't have to kneel down, close your eyes, and all of that. No. Uh, talking with God as you're walking on the road. Does this time with uh, Paul's admi uh, admonition to, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in your heart? No, it ties in with Paul's ad admonition in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. And then the third one, the communion of the Holy Spirit, abide. It should abide <coughs> with you. It should go along with you on the highway of life. You know, the communion of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Thank, thank you, doctor. You give us a, um, a prayer, sir, so we take our offering. Okay, shall we pray? Father, we acknowledge that we are nothing in ourselves. We cannot do anything by ourselves. Father, we thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us, to abide with us to lead us daily. Oh, Lord our God, we have no strength of our own. We confess that we have no strength of our own. We depend entirely on your Holy Spirit. Oh, thou Spirit of the living God, come afresh upon everyone under the sound of my voice. As many as have surrendered their life to Christ, come afresh upon them. But Lord, as they go into their lives, let the communion of the Holy Spirit abide with them. Let that strength in the inner man to say no to what is wrong. Let make that strength be released into them. And Lord, I cut short every oppression that may be on anyone. I see some, I see some movement here in a vision. And I rebuke those spirits in the mighty name of Jesus. Be loosed now in the name of Amen. Jesus. Let every captive go free now, I order. Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, doctor. Okay. We're going to take our offering and our brother is going to take it. Chairman. Please unmute your, your, your device. Any? 
Emi Ngoye. Emi, sorry, Ngoye. Okay. Zem is still here. Oh, wow. I sent a message to him. He was here just now. <laughs> okay. Pastor Pat, please take the offering. Okay. I spoke too soon, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's, go. Let's prepare our offerings. Um, of course, we are giving our offerings online. So you're going to use your, your phone before you sign out, or even if you, if you sign out and you have the the, the, uh, the numbers, our project is 5800-99709, a project offering for Fidelity, on Fidelity Bank. Um, regular offerings, 5800-5643, same bank. And towards our CSR is 4011-4454-86. is right there on the screen. So let's just pray and, and let's give as, um, as we are led by the Spirit of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time of study. We thank you for the vessel you use, Dr. Onuzo. We ask that you enlarge his coast, strengthen him in the inner man in the name of Jesus. And that everyone that will give today, Lord God, as we give, Lord, we ask that you breathe your life upon every seed and let the seed indeed bring forth fruit for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Okay, I'd just like to share with you some of our other meetings. Um, next week, Saturday, or sorry, this coming Saturday, we'll be having our marriage seminar. It occurs every fourth Saturday of the month. Yeah. And this, this Saturday, it'll be holding at eight o'clock at the KLS Center. You can, always, you can also join us via Zoom at 8 a.m. in the morning. And then every weekday or every day, we pray at 5.30 in the morning on Zoom. So please join us. And then in the evenings, except on Mondays and Wednesdays, we pray every evening at 6.30 p.m. also on Zoom. On Mondays, just like today, we have our Bible study at 6 p.m. And then we'll pray after the Bible study at, for, for an hour uh, at 7. 